Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. It's summer. It's chaos. But we're back. It's a different chaos than last time we gathered ourselves together in the car. It's a whole fresh kind. Last time it was May chaos, and this time... It's June chaos. It's June. I've also, been... I will say on the last podcast, I think we were boasting amongst ourselves about how we'd done two in a row. Good job, us. But we then, did that once. <laughs> but then it didn't get posted. But that was not our fault. We did record it. We were so but innocent. It, it skipped a week, but it was because everybody else was out of town who does the technical side of things. Right. Anyway, then we just went ahead and skipped anyways. Like... Well, we've had a life. So last week, actually, Jemima almost posted a picture that I was like, you cannot, you cannot, Jemima, post that. Because she was going to say something about, like, no podcast because Rachel's, you know, up to her eyeballs and whatever, <gasps> your academic work. And the Merkels are making pasta in the bathtub. <laughs> she... <laughs> she she had this horrible picture of our pink bathtub that is yet to be ripped out. It's still this terrible pink. And not a, even a good pink. It's like it could be a spunky pink. No, it's like a dusty, horrid pink. Anyways, the the bathtub with a strainer full of pasta just sitting in the bottom of the tub. <laughs> and it's because we ripped out our kitchen sink last week. And dishwashers. In order that we could rebuild the cabinets on that side and install a new sink. And that means that for the last week, the bathtub has been where we have to wash dishes. I don't know. Who can podcast (laughs) from pasta in the bathtub? You just don't. You can't. So if you needed to drain your pasta, there's nowhere else to do it but in the bathtub. And it's just... It's a... My kids are questionable on so many levels. I'm grossed out. It's just, but we're getting, we're inching closer to having a sink. For the last several days, I've been convinced I was about to have a sink, but we built it. I'm pretty sure you couldn't podcast the other day because you were getting your sink. (laughs) But but wait, but wait, it's still well. Because here's what happens. First off, Ben built the new cabinets and it's phenomenal and then we had to cut the marble out in our driveway and we cut the marble and then we had to transport the biggest slab yet it was like a huge long slab that judah and ben are trying to huffle into the house without cracking it you know like because it's a long narrow one could go wrong there and so we got the two pieces of marble in they actually fit we could we dropped the sink in the sink that i was on a quest for last year and anyway finally found and it's an old sink but every piece of this is non-standard like every piece of it including it's the way it's well, the merkel way is to do i don't remember if pieces. i talked about this but like when this beautiful sink came that i was so excited about and it has this big high backsplash that's very cool mm-hmm. it had not crossed my mind to ask the man that I purchased it from what size the drain hole was, you know, because you just assume a drain hole is a drain hole. No, no, this one is not big enough to accommodate a a garbage disposal, which is really not part of my life plan. So 
I was first on a long, tedious time trying to figure out if you could drill the hole bigger, and I, everyone said, no, you can't do it because it's cast iron and, and porcelain. Right. Watch me go with a nail and file. So I'm like, going to make this thing happen. So I was like, should I listen to the experts or should I just, you know, wang dang dude all this up? <clears throat> and I decided, no, I can't do that. So we had to turn to other options. And it had this beautiful little copper, you know, ring in the drain. It was just not the right size. So anyway, a former student of mine who I knew welded, I got to come over. He works at a machine shop. Got him to come over. And he took out the the previous, the little copper drain, and then took the top of the garbage disposal. And then he welded a plate onto it and threaded it so that now we can attach the garbage disposal. Is it too small for a garbage it's disposal? It's smaller, yeah. So does that mean that when your car- garbage disposal gets jammed, you can't get your finger down well, there to fix I it? Well, I already have a whole plan for this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. No, I have a plan, Rachel. What, can you not get your hand down it? No. You oh, Becca. Your hand down. Don't ever let someone break a glass in your sink then because no, the amount of time I've spent fishing glass crumbs out of I the know. disposal is... Well, exactly. So I have a whole plan for this. But that's the first non-standard situation okay. that I'm dealing with. And then it's like I got this fabulous faucet, but like it's this cast iron sink with this big high backsplash. So it's a wall-mounted faucet. It only has two holes, so you can't have a sprayer. But I do need a sprayer, and I need a, a faucet that's high enough that I can get my massive pot under it to wash. So I found the right kind of cool vintage style, but yet high neck, but also pull down sprayer. But all this the things. This sounds so easy. And so Ben was going to plumb that on in, and then it was like, this is real weird, and I can't figure out why it's not working. We take the faucet to the plumbing man at the hardware store who goes, well, never seen anything like that <laughs> like why does every piece of this have to turn into such a like Becca, because it's what you do situation it's the way you I know, is i know but it's, it's non-optional I'm if you're hovering. a merkel if you're a merkel you cannot just choose something <laughs> that would be attainable in a short amount of time <laughs> but we're on the cusp and we're still having to wash dishes in the bathtub but we're almost to a place of a beautiful plumbed sink. but One of the things that I feel obligated to point out is that Becca's already had a quest to a kitchen sink. <laughs> but when a remodel goes on for long enough for you to change your mind, like when you have a long journey. What quest are you talking about? Well, your last kitchen sink was one that you guys bent and made the counter and you got the... Oh, yeah. Well, but that was... That was before we knew we could remove the massive. That's beam my. This is my point. In the kitchen. It was. <laughs> it was. This is my beam. point. It went on. It went yeah. on until it refabbed. So it will be. Well, it's true because I. But I'm much happier with this one. And I didn't go on a quest for that sink. I just found it at Wasankari, and it was cool when I bought it. This one I was on a quest for. I meant I meant the quest of getting... Haven't you done the bathtub sink before no, now? No, no, you haven't? No. Oh. You would think that I have because of the way that our kitchen journeys have been. But no, this is my first time and it's traumatizing everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, oh. it's a real treat. Well, good times. Yeah, but good I was times. thinking, I told you this. I was like, for a hot minute, I have a sink bigger than Rachel's. Ha, ha, ha. It's just a bathtub. You have to crouch down. <laughs> Jemima's technique is to just basically just put your feet in it so you can sit on the edge while you do it. 
I'm always kneeling on the side and giving myself a kink in my back. Trying this to, is like, really dark. It is dark. It's a long intro to a dark time at the sink at the Merkel's no, house. but the, the, you can tell that the sunrise is coming. It's like... That's good. I'm yeah, happy for you. I think you. perhaps this evening I'll have some... Oh, that'd be exciting. ...water coming out the faucet in the kitchen at the right height. <laughs> <laughs> my, my long quests have been less noble. They've been <sighs> like the laundry room. I like to think of mine as noble rage. Yeah, I'm glad you said no, that. No, they've they're nobility like nobility is how I. <laughs> <laughs> they're towards uh, less glorious finishes. You know, you're uh, like I just have to figure all of this out. It turns out, I've been having thoughts about homemaking, and I'm sure that I will keep having these thoughts and have to develop them somewhere okay. further. But I still think that this is really interesting. Okay. Because I had a week where I was doing other stuff, not, um, I was still at home, but I'm like, oh, was I gone for the whole day? So I'd be at home at night. I'm turning off the car. We don't okay. need it running no, in the fine. background. So I would go, uh, I was still at home. It's still local. It's just, I was gone all day for a week. Yep. And before that I had a lot of other writing obligations and things building up to it so it was the time where you just are not all in on the homemaking because you are trying to do other things yeah and while I did obviously it's not like I abandoned all homemaking in that time you just are not focused on it yeah and there's consequences (laughs) cold hard fierce consequences for having spent time not mentally on the game (laughs) you're like how how is it like this and it was reminding me of when i would be morning sick and i would be just gonzo from a lot of life processes for a long time and it was the biggest adjustment that luke and i had to expect we learned to anticipate it and Uh expect it somewhere around like 16 weeks i would start to feel better yeah and then somewhere in there i would have my first cup of coffee yeah and then like Right about that day. So think of Luke going for months with someone who couldn't walk into the kitchen and was no use at all. I mean, like, I would get up and try to do laundry, but I would... If I went in the kitchen, it would turn into a vomiting seizure, so there was no use. You weren't going to get anything done in there, so there was... You didn't go, you know? I didn't look. And... But then, all of a sudden... Out of nowhere, out of the clear left blue field, I would come zooming in with like, with like, why is the utensil drawer like this? What, what madness has prompted people to not clean out the fridge? And, and it was always funny. Like we had to actually learn to acclimate because everybody's getting by without me. And then I come in and my most judgmental, (laughs) most offended by, (laughs) like, it's almost like I'm looking at all the toddlers being like, (laughs) you did this. Who did this? (laughs) This sticky patch that's grown fuzz. What is even wrong with you people? And in my absence, you didn't clean out the inside of the kitchen garbage can. Like, who didn't yeah, notice this yeah. problem? And which is just, it was just funny. Anyways, we got far better at anticipating the fact that, because it, it could cause something of a 
whiplash in the family life. (laughs) (laughs) Their re-entry of mom was not always the thing everyone most loved. (laughs) I also, the reason I had to prepare for it was nobody, everybody was really glad to have me back and doing things. The part that I had to prepare for was the part where you actually don't get to unleash all of the frustration that you've had, like For that I needed to be dealing yeah. with the frustration yeah. as it was. a. I couldn't let that build up through months of not being able to do things yes. and then suddenly unleash it on everyone yeah. when I could do things. Oh, so yeah. I, because, okay. So this last week I was busy the whole week. And one of the things that I found about that is that nothing makes me want my job more than mm-hmm. not being able to do it. Yeah. I do love homemaking. But it is like I get a burning urge to clean out the storage room when I'm yeah. not allowed to. Like yeah. where you're just like, I just really want to get in there and fix <laughs> this problem right now. And you're like, but I can't because I have to do some other things. And you're like, I really want to do it right now. Like I yeah. just really want to dig into things and clean things out. Yeah. But what I was thinking about is that my kids really, really miss me when I am not at home. Yeah. And it's funny because even when they're at school all day and I'm busy all day, they notice my absence. Like they miss me even if I'm there when they're there. Yeah. They miss the fact that I wasn't there when they weren't there. Uh (laughs) Like they, they are feeling it. And it was making me think all of this setup is to tell you this observation, which is that homemaking. (coughs) And this is something we talk about on the podcast where we talk about things like having a creative vision, like having imagination about culture building, having like, so I'm not talking here about being like the, you know, when you go to a hotel, you might notice the absence of the people who cleaned the room before you, but you don't notice anything about them. You don't notice their personality. You notice that someone didn't empty this garbage, not like, I wish this person had been here. With my house, it's not that. The kids do not miss the, someone to have yeah. swept the floor. Right. They miss me. Yeah. And I was thinking about how often when I am at home all day, I would have a hard time pointing to what it was I did. Like, I did yeah. a lot of different things. So, you know, maybe you do unload the dishwashers and clean out the sink and tidy up the fridge, and then you bake things. And so by the end of the day... It looks like, it's not like it, it's like a different, you've had, you made a different lived in mess kind of. Like I'm always trying to clean the mess up, but it's really rare that people would come home and I'd be like, the whole house is pristine. That's not happening. It's just living, you know, like it's always moving and living. But what struck me suddenly, and I think there's a lot to dig out of this, is that homemaking is a way of being known and knowing like okay. that, that when I am at home and the things that I care about or the ways that you are like, I should clean this now, or I should organize this now, or I should pull this out, or I care about this thing right now, even without talking about it, even without, even if my whole family doesn't know what happened, they know me in a different way. They experience right. me and what I care about and what I think matters and what I value. So like... So I make bread often enough that it's not like, like people probably comment on it because a lot of times they're like, ah, yay or whatever, yeah. but it's not like 
wow, why have you decided to do this? Or what are yeah. you thinking with this move? It's not a, every, sure. there's none of that. But when I'm doing it, they know me in an ongoing, they like, it's an mm-hmm. exchange of knowing each other. I was thinking that having someone making a home for you is being known. And their enjoyment of it is me being known. You know, yeah. that there's a way in which a home is a communication mm-hmm. without words yeah. that is knowing each other. Yeah. And I don't mean that by like, I know you that you're sloppy in your bedroom <laughs> or I know you, you know, like, although there is that element, I mean it more like that it's a communication that's constantly ongoing of what actually interests or captures the imagination of other people or mm-hmm. how they're, and that in a way that's the culture building work that you're doing is communicating without words what matters to us and how we, right. how we, like, I think if I put something that I think is pretty in the kitchen window, so mm-hmm. yeah, that communicates to my kids without us ever talking about it. Yeah. It communicates something when they all yeah. see that or they see that cluster of something or, and, and we don't have to, they don't have to observe it to like openly verbally observe it for us yeah. to know it. And I was, anyways, the reason I think this is important is one of the biggest complaints that women always have is not being noted, like that their work not being noticed, like they're not known or they're not, you know, the frustration of like, nobody knows my heart. Well, why don't they? Are you not putting any of it in your home where they could know it? So like, and, and it's a, we've talked about this before in the podcast about like, trying to think through what you actually like, what Mm -hmm. you actually think is beautiful instead of just like putting together the pieces from target to put to just, yeah, to like, instead of just sort of compiling what someone else likes. And I actually, I have no problem with people putting together the pieces from target. I'm just saying, don't limit yourself to that. Don't be like, I'm not saying don't buy a cute tray at target. That's not my (laughs) message that I'm trying to get across. But it was just, it's just interesting because when my kids are like, mom, we miss having you here. They don't mean, I wish someone would have wiped the table off in the daytime. Yeah. Because that is not, they're not like, I wish we had a maid here. Mm -hmm. They wish Mm -hmm. that mom was present and paying attention. And I know that like, even through all the hilarious chaos of our endless remodels, there's a lot of that, a lot of the stuff that I am like valuing or I love, or I think it's mm-hmm. worth going through a lot of stupid agony because the end is going to be really cool. You guys, you know, whatever. It's funny how much that sort of, you see that it does rub off on your kids in, in terms of shaping mm-hmm. how they see the world and how they like different things or whatever. And hopefully you're not shaping them into run away, do the opposite Right. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully it's like the stuff that you value and like is, is rubbing off on them. And then they are going to form all of their own unique individual tastes and flavors Mm -hmm. and, and approaches and everything. But it is funny how much that, what you do and what you prioritize and what you put time into and what you, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess show them as far as the effort you're putting in around the home, how that does shape these little humans and yeah, and it doesn't, it's interesting because it's not, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you try to communicate, it's like a different kind of poetry in the sense that yeah. you're trying to communicate what you ultimately value yeah. in what you're doing. So one thing that I, I, there's a lot of things we do in our house that do not make sense from a mathy perspective. Sure. Does it make sense to be like, no, we will try to make hand-shaped pastas. Like, yeah. when we can easily purchase them for less yeah. mess and less fuss, yeah. why would we do that? Well, I don't know. Because we think it's fun. And because yeah. we think it's fun, we do it for our kids who think it's fun because we think it's fun. Because we have this whole... There's this mm-hmm. whole, like, cyclical... Like, we all are enjoying this for yeah. Yeah. reasons that are not necessarily right super intuitive or clear. Right. Why do we value this well, thing? Well... I probably have gone on on this before on the podcast because I feel like I'm always talking about it, but that's because I teach lit, so I'm always talking about it. But <laughs> the Anglo-Saxon word for poet was shope, which looks like scope, but it's pronounced shope. And it's the word that we get shape from mm. because the poet, like, shapes, you know, mm-hmm. like an artist shapes. But the interesting thing is that they saw God as the capital S shope. Like, God is the poet. Like, God is the one who speaks and things are. And he shapes with his words, right? So, God is the capital S shope. And then the poets here on earth are the lowercase s shopes. And the interesting thing is if you think about story and poetry just in that narrow field, the poet shapes the words into something like he takes the words and he makes something beautiful with the words. But the interesting part is that he shapes the hearer as well. There's like, well, a he two... shapes whatever, when you read a poem, you are in a different, he's created a world. There's a world in a poem and yeah. it's, and it's the whole thing of the capital C creator versus the lowercase yeah. C creator. Yeah. Yes, but he shapes the hearer also. But he shapes the hearer because how many people are shaped by their entertainment? You know, like, so the movie maker shapes a movie, but he also shapes the audience through right. that movie. What do you admire? What do you love? What do you think is neat? Who do you applaud? Who do you boo? Who do you, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of that. But if you broaden it out from just poetry to what you're talking about, which is poetry in all of the tangible, you know, details around the house, it's the same thing. As a homemaker, you're shaping something. You're creating a home. Like, if you just think about the word homemaker like you Mm -hmm. are shaping this home but you're not just shaping the home you're shaping all the little people big people my people are quite big um you're shaping the humans through it so there's like a two there's like a you know two different levels of shaping going on or home making there's two different levels of making going on Mm -hmm. you're making a home but that home is making the people and you're shaping them and, and what they, what they see as beautiful, what they see as, um, annoying, <laughs> but what they see value in. Like one thing that I thought was really fun. This was a, was the other night I watched Babette's Feast with mm-hmm. the kids who had not seen it yeah. yet. And I thought it was super fun. Like, I think I saw Babette's Feast when I was maybe in high school. I don't know. Yeah, it had been a long time. We watched it with our kids a year Uh, or so ago. Yeah, and what surprised me was how much they understood it. It surprised me how much they totally, in all ways, 
connected with Babette's feast. And I yeah. know that that's actually because, and I just like to, there are funny things in Babette's feast. There's the, yeah. but, but what I know actually why that was that they connected with it has everything to do with the fact that as a family, we have invested in hospitality yeah. and, and the fact that they themselves have invested mm-hmm. their time and their energy in hospitality. So it was actually very sweet to see yeah. that they understand entirely the bigger, you know, like it was yeah. a thing where I realized this is something that we value, but it, because God is kind and does kind things for us beyond our expectations. Uh, we, it's like this mercy that it has communicated something. It's much mm-hmm. deeper to our children right. than what we've actually right. talked about or like, you know, maybe we've tried to talk about it, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's the kindness of letting that shaping actually accomplish something right? and actually have shaped. Yeah. And shaped two different layers you know, shaping, yeah, shaping the dinner, shaping the decor, shaping the cleaning schedule, whatever it is, but then shaping through that, the people who live there and, and then hopefully ripples going further out. Hopefully if you are inviting people into your home or whatever, hopefully your home is going to have an impact mm-hmm. further out and that shaping continues, you know its way out and then you lose track of it you can't you can't know the impact it's had or you know as it sort of Mm -hmm. flitters away into the distance um you don't know the impact and you're not responsible for that I think you're responsible for the the -hmm. initial thing right in front of your face and then who knows what people will take away from it right and I and I guess what I was just thinking about is that like there's a real temptation for women and thinking, my husband doesn't understand what I'm doing at home. Mm-hmm. And that, like, if you've done a lot of things to make your house seem nice and welcoming and pleasant, and then your husband doesn't come in the door and go, my, but you dusted mm-hmm. and look at what you did mm-hmm. over here. And have you ever seen such a fetching arrangement on our coffee table? Like... If yeah. he doesn't acknowledge it all that way, you can feel women can feel cheated like they didn't mm-hmm. get what they needed. And I think I think the thing that I'm trying to say is that that actually is a temptation because it keeps you from doing the very thing you're wishing it would do, which is this deeper level of communication and peace and love and an experience yeah. of a um, like where your husband is actually experiencing you and your gifts and your abilities in a way that is not direct, a direct exchange of words. And that the more you are actually a, uh, the, the, like you actually are a safe place. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the less you are all agitated about everyone has to acknowledge this, the more you're putting people at peace to enjoy it. Yeah, and also, though, uh, this is not to take away at all from what you're saying, just as a side note. I think sometimes, though, women can miss it as far as, like, their husbands aren't noticing because they're not paying any attention to what their husband might actually like or want or appreciate. Oh, right. They're like, he ignored my 17th Yankee candle that I put (laughs) over here. But I just mean, like, sometimes that takes a lot of study and effort as well of, like... Your husband 
probably doesn't have highly developed um, and articulated ideas of decor. Some some women's husbands might, but but most of the time, there. If you say, "Hey, do you like this?" They'll kind of go, "Huh? I'm sure." Yeah. You know, like yeah. But that doesn't mean that all of those details don't add up to to make an impact that they either appreciate or don't like so much. Right. And so I I would just say kind of pay attention because if there are things where you're But husband, a lot of the time what you were just saying, by I find with my own husband, he he really genuinely appreciates a lot of things after the fact that he didn't have any driving for a head. Yeah, he was not yeah. or like, but I just mean like pay attention to the little things of like if your husband comes home and goes Oh, this is nice. And it's because it smells like ammonia, you know, because it feels clean. Like, everything, like, oh, I like that. Then just Just get yourself in a little ammonia spritzer. (laughs) No, I just mean, like, just note, like, oh, okay, that's something that registers that he likes. Feels happy. He enjoys that. Or does he, you know, like, just those little details. And then you can work from there to. But that's part of what I was saying is that it's both being known and knowing. Yes. It's both, it's communicating to the people who belong there that they are known. Right. And it's commun and it's doing that by you being known. It's a, it's a. But this is another one of those places where I think much depends on where it's aimed. Because it's very easy for women to decorate their apartment, decorate their home, decorate whatever. In a way that their girlfriend would completely understand. Yes. Or that will translate quite well to Instagram or that, you know, whatever. But that um, isn't necessarily aimed at all at the man who lives in the house or the children who live in the house. And so I think it's, it's like, who's your audience, really? in in much of this. Mhm. Well, who's your audience and also what's the point because I your audience is one thing, but your point should be a far bigger Christian goal, not a mm-hmm. like ultimately your audience is God. Ultimately you're doing your duties and living doing all of this work because you want God to be pleased and honored, not yeah. just because you're trying to get your kids to know you. Though but like the fruit of that, what I'm trying, all I was trying to say, the thing that had just struck me is how much, if I'd lined up people to sweep our floors during the day or do things mm-hmm. that I do, it still wouldn't have been the same no. thing. No, it wouldn't. Anyway, anyways, I think it's encouraging because you think there's just a bigger story going on here. Yeah. And it's a lot like, it's a lot, in a lot of life, women have the long, slow work. Yes. And that, that it's like what I think it was dad. I assume it was dad that I'm quoting. It's just like that, the, that the male sexual life is a much shorter life cycle and that civilization depends upon men submitting their sexual, their, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Their sexual timeline timeline yeah that's basically to the woman's because for for a woman you have a sexual encounter that then is a pregnancy which means grandchildren i mean it's like it's like we're this thing that we're doing here is for generations like this is not this is not about 
this it right here. Until so until the kids are graduated and, and out of the house, and then it's and still then beyond. Not over. It's not over. It's yeah. never over. It's no. changed your whole life, the whole trajectory yeah. of your life now, and that's a thing that is that's a beautiful thing. That's one of the ways that men submitting to the way God made the world and women create civilization and culture. Right. Because, because if they don't, if it's the man totally goes by his, his particular set of unsaved impulses, it's just you, what you build is a series of pirate ships or biker gangs. Mm-hmm. Who, it's totally just broken down. One night stands and I'm off to pillage the next town. Yeah, and it's children raised by assorted pirates and whoever they... It's just nothing. Prostitutes. Yeah, nothing. Right, like nothing wonderful and long-lasting and generational comes from that. But that's the way... That's the way God made women, and it's not a weakness. It's a strength that is a that's a great thing. And I think that our culture is so well on the sexual level, obviously they want to make women men. They want to make nobody have a long-term consequence, which is abortion. It's all, you know, everything Mm -hmm. about it is like, you should never have any, like the, the world despises the strength of women. Yeah. And that strength, that long-term long planting forward looking strength of women is so despised right now that many Christian women despise it also. Yeah. Like they also think this is a burden and a trap and I've been stuck here and yeah. my work is this long slow build of of tasks and that they think there's no glory in that. There's no like wonderful depth in that. Yeah, no significance to it. No and, and no scope. I think many women are bored because they don't see scope. Yeah, and because they like, think it wouldn't it would only be great if you could like pull up camp and leave at any time that you wanted to go be someone else and do something else instead of Yeah, but I just mean too they don't they don't think in terms of how can I take this talent I've been given and multiply it. They think, well, I serve a hard master. I guess I'll just bury it in the backyard. Yeah. Wait till it's he actually, comes back. And that's a great, that's a great phrase <coughs> in this context that I serve a hard master yep. is like, do you like, well, I think that that's the real key is that many women, even, even the ones who are in the home half resented and it's because they think they serve a hard master who stuck them here. And so I guess right. I just have to suck it up. It's a miserable bad time that I'm having. Yeah. But rather I do than it saying, for God. Okay. God gave me this talent. How can I turn this into more to get right. back to him at the end? And even if I think the way that parable goes, it feels like even if he had invested it and lost money, he wouldn't have been cast into the outer darkness. <laughs> but it's it's that belief that I serve a hard master, so I'll just hang on to this thing he gave me and give it back to him mm-hmm. at the end intact. And that's the thing that's interesting, is he didn't like lose no the risk. money. He yeah. didn't lose the money. He gave it right back at the end. You know, nicely yeah. wrapped in a cloth, but it's just, he wasn't supposed to do that. He was supposed to yeah. turn it into something. And there's so many opportunities that a homemaker has. Mm-hmm. I mean, with or without children. And I, I feel like, I feel like I, there's so much more to do than I will ever, ever, yeah, ever no. even be able to sort of. No, it's a real stress. You're like, oh dear. Oh, oh man. Dear. 
It's like oh, my yard's not even big. I have a small patch of this globe, and I'm not going to be able to tame it before Christ comes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, who knows what would happen if I had a big yard? <laughs> it's like real bad. Yeah, and it's like, but I'm saying even even with my very limited, and it's like, you know that we're only seeing a fraction and a fragment of what we could be, of the opportunity. Yeah. Like, this is not a hard world for no. fruit-yielding prospects. Like, the and the idea of acting so barren. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, acting like God is the hard master who only gave us a little litter box full of pea gravel and told us to build a civilization out of it. It's like, no, he gave us living people. He gave us living bread and living water and eternal souls and all of creation and from dirt. which to do things. Dirt. Yes, like an incredibly <laughs> fertile ground and incredibly, like, it's amazing. And he gave us light and color and taste. And yeah. and all of these things are at our and disposal. And if you, if you venture into recipes that aren't printed on the back of the box, you'd be surprised what variety there is. <laughs> printed on the back of the box. <laughs> I've always I mean? dreamed, haven't I? I've told this on the podcast because some listener of ours has done it. And I've never done it. I only dream of doing the potluck where you... Have to bring something that's printed oh, on the no. back of a package. Yeah. Oh man, there are some shockers out there, there on the some back real of bad packages. Things. Real bad yeah. things. I think what might have inspired it for me was a maybe a recipe on the back of colored marshmallows. No, oh. where I was like, wow. <laughs> People do things with that. It's weird. What's I this know. about? And there's Ooh. also some chum, um, Chinese egg noodles that have a really mightily specific. Well, menu selection on the back of them. I think the real them. pinnacle, isn't it, is mock apple pie on the back <gasps> of the Ritz crackers. Ritz? I don't want to know about no, that, Because though. the filling is, is Ritz. Ritz crackers sogged up in apple pie. Aren't Why? they sogged up in I, apple juice? I can't be sure. I don't know. But whatever it is, I don't think do I it. don't. If you come to my potluck, don't bring mock apple pie because <laughs> some things we want to know about, other things we don't want to know about. <laughs> some some things are or, best or left even secret. if you get into some of those antique cookbooks of Jello ideas, you Did know, I tell you about my the savory ones that have olives like suspended yeah, in there. pimentos <laughs> dashed about inside a Jello. Uh, I I was flipping through an old cookbook I have that had a no sugar jam recipe. Oh. And I was like, oh, great. Cause I really like not no sugar, Heart but jam. I like bright jam. I don't like yeah. full sugar. Yeah. I don't like that. So I was like, well, this could be helpful. It called for like a cup and a half of corn syrup. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind. Like, ah, this was the old ways when that, this out. is something from the olden days where they would have said <laughs> a cup and a half of corn syrup no, was a better choice. No cane sugar. Nothing. We need nothing. One. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, so anyways, I'm oh. just saying that. We don't have big enough imaginations for all that is actually happening in our homes. No. And that one of the things, Dad mentions this in other areas all the time, is you don't plant a bean and then dig it up to look if it's doing anything and then put it back in the dirt and then plant, dig it up the next day. Yeah. Dig it up day by day, digging up your plants to check if they're getting any roots or doing anything. 
that's a big part of this, this long-term planting and harvesting life that Christians are called to is, is it's a lot of it is giving and planting and doing things that you expect to take time for there okay, to be a return so on. Here's something weird though. We're talking about planting and then we're saying, don't be the guy that buries the talent. And I think that's really interesting because you have to know the difference between a seed and a coin and you have to know where you plant a coin is not in the ground. And mm-hmm. what do you plant in the ground? Because that's the thing is that like the, when the master came back, he said, you could have given it to the bank basically. Like that's how you yeah. plant that kind of a seed. And so you do plant seeds in the dirt, but you don't take the talent and plant it in the dirt. You have to, to plant that somewhere else. So it's a lot of this suddenly. is just wisdom of knowing totally. what goes where and what will yield fruit where, because you can do all kinds of effort go through all the right steps and all the right processes, except you're doing it to the wrong thing or in the wrong place. Well, okay. But this, and this is a thing that really comes up a lot is that I'm a, whenever I have talked about mothering, I'm talking about being sacrificial, that you should be sacrificial, mm-hmm. right? That's what we believe. Yes. Many people interpret that as let the kids have whatever they want. Oh, yeah. And no matter how miserable it is for you. But the reality is that that's not not it at all. Being sacrificial to people who are inclined to do that would be to rally forth and make make rules. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is sacrificial. And sacrificing yourself is never about just letting someone else have their own way all the time. Like, be or being like. Or doing things that are hard just simply because they're hard. So that must mean it's good. Yeah, like if I'm miserable, that equals. Yeah. And and this is a this is really it's another important. way of saying we serve a hard master. If I'm miserable, that yes. must make and, God happy. And this is a really important thing is that the most sacrificial, like self-sacrificing people, are the people you'll know them by how they're living a resurrection life. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know them by their dead, shriveled, desperate times. Yeah. Sacrifice is resurrection. Well. Anything that's sacrificed in Christ will be raised in Christ. There's no, there's no like shrivel yourself up and die already kinds of the overtones to laying your life down in Christ. Because laying your life down in Christ is living resurrection glory. It's living in the fact that you are confident that things in Christ are not dying forever. It's like there's no, and so when it's truly sacrificial, like, I wanted to go on this trip or I wanted to do whatever and my child is vomiting so I'm not going. Like mm-hmm. when there's a time that's like, okay, here's a specific thing that I have to lay down mm-hmm. that I'm not doing that. It's it's not it's a it's like a over and done yeah. death. It's not a long dwindle into misery or a yeah. it's like Well, you know how um over the last year and a half, however long it's been since COVID We've seen a lot, Too long. a lot of hilarious gestures at, we must do this because of COVID. And it's like something totally ridiculous and weird. It's just that it signals, see, I took something nice away from myself. Yes. Yeah. And, and I did it because of COVID. 
And it is really, really goofy stuff that people take away. I was telling my kids, we need to start keeping a list of these things because you know we're going to forget because it was like they were coming over the plate so fast and furious yeah. that you couldn't keep up with them. But like, well, like just really silly, There was silly, the time I had to things. start dining inside of see-through beach balls. <laughs> Well, I like, did it at great cost to ben myself. I, were, we were I never s- understood those anyways if they don't like fumigate the whole thing afterwards. Oh, or are no. you just getting into a I little know. pod of dirty I air? I don't understand it. I know. Or somebody was made to wear a visor, a clear visor <laughs> in the pool for their water therapy by the pool. And then at the end, and of course that made everything totally tedious because it's going up and running down the visor and yeah, everything. And at the end, your face when out. they got out, they said, should we disinfect this? And the guy goes, oh no, the chlorine takes care of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, why on You earth? must wear why a plastic slip earth? cover over your head. Or, or the, I really laughed at a picture of a family under a plastic sheet, like a full like painter's plastic yeah. sheet hugging a grandma. Yeah. Who yeah. is not under the sheet? Yeah. And it and yeah. the thing it said, imagine trying to explain this to someone in twenty forty or something, and somebody's yeah. comment was, "Explain it to me now." <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like we were in the LAX airport, you know, waiting, and so we were in the club, you know, and usually they'll give you a glass of wine or whatever, for, mm-hmm. and and they still sort of kind of were doing that. There's a lot of bossy behavior about where and when you could sit down but then it was it was just kind of like so Ben went up to get a drink and he said yeah I'd like a martini and she she goes uh we we can't have shakers anymore because of COVID like why (laughs) why can't you have a shaker you can have a wine bottle but you can't have a shaker so she's trying to do it in two plastic cups stuck together you're like Nothing about this is about COVID, and it's just real, real weird. <laughs> well, but anyway, okay. but I'm just saying. Specifically, how about if you watch them at the Starbucks drive-through, where <laughs> they pick up, they pick up your lid. They have your coffee in their yeah. hands. Yeah. They pick up the lid and they lay their whole hand across the top yeah. of the lid. Mm-hmm. They smack it on your cup. Then they take the cup and they put it in a little black basket. And then they take the basket and they hold it out to you. And I'm like, what if we not transferred? <laughs> Like, run by me one more know, time. What has not come... Like, yeah. you had your hands yeah. all over my cup. But it's just a weird need for penance. It's like... Yeah, it's just I doing have the hard to, thing. I have to yeah. do a thing that's more complicated, even yeah, in a because... tiny, fiddly way, because I believe that this indicates how seriously I take COVID. Now, the thing is, is the metaphor I'm drawing here is, I think some people do that with their Christian life, is that sort of like... I have to do difficult, ridiculous, totally senseless things because that must be what God wants. Yeah. Because if it's more hard for me, if it brings me less joy. Well, it's joy, very much the horsehair shirt approach exactly. to the Exactly. That's Christian what I mean life. about yeah. penance. It's like, yeah. so if my kids are making me if miserable. If I'm in agonies of itchiness. That must be godly. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or like, if my children are tyrants. And make me cry every and make, day. And they're just awful. And that's because I'm, I'm doing it right. I'm, I'm sacrificial. Yeah, I'm saying, no, you're not. What would be truly sacrificial right now would be for you to recognize that you have to do the thing you don't want to do. And Which in your heart. off the in sofa your, yes, and In your them. heart somewhere. <laughs> in your heart somewhere you've been telling yourself that you're doing what you like what you want to do 
is this weird self-indulgent, self-afflicting little regime. That's not like, especially, okay, especially if you're an introspective person who gets really heavy about things all the time. Recognize that that introspection is self-indulgence. It is not self-sacrifice. No. Like that kind of like, poor me, I'm so miserable, I'm so whatever. It's an inverted pride. It's a self-absorption. It's something that is in no way fruitful or pleasing to God. It is not the aroma that the Lord wants. No, and just think about the fruits of the Spirit that are supposed to typify the Christian life is, you know, joy and peace and patience and kindness. It's not like sadness and moroseness and itch. <laughs> itch is not one of the fruit of the spirit. Exactly. Chafing under the yoke of yeah. God is not one of the things that we are supposed to be Weeping doing. Weeping on the daily because of how difficult everything is. Yeah. And man, and it's just not, it's like a false picture of what's happening. And just to tie these different things that we've been talking about together, if that's the way you're doing it, what you are portraying in your home all the time to your children is that the Christian vision is for a life of unglorious, painful, brutal, unenjoyable discord between you, them, and God. And the thing is, is sometimes God brings you true suffering. And when he does, you do suffer and you have to do it like a Christian. But and there's as no... Rutherford said, when the Lord puts the plow to what plows deep furrows in your soul, he purposeth a crop. Like yeah. even in trial, it's about the fruit and about the glory and about yeah. what's coming. But there's no need for you to try to gin up your own suffering or maximize your own suffering or or, always looking about for it. Yeah. And when, and when God brings you true suffering, you suffer like a Christian, but there's also nothing wrong with trying to get out of that situation. You don't have to just lie down in the gutter, you know, like there's nothing wrong. This is a very appropriate time. There's a satire Instagram fee account. It's a, I think it's called, I'm going to look it up really fast so that I can say it to you. Power of self-care. And Mm, it's funny. But I really enjoyed this one. Trauma is currency. Invest in yourself today. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, It's so good. Yeah, it's like, you know what? Let's, when you have true suffering, suffer like a Christian. And then when it's over move past it. Don't yeah. stay there in it. Yes. Well, I think we've gone mm-hmm. over and above ourselves here in we this. We probably have. In this. So, any hot tips before we take ourselves off? I do think we should apologize, too, for the background noise that's been happening with us this whole time. It's just me getting my driveway smoothed out. Yeah, we're sitting in Rachel's driveway with a lot of heavy equipment doing their work. Yeah, that's alright. With Rachel's window down, so... I guess I take all the blame <laughs> for the background noise. What I wanted to point out is it's Rachel's fault. Yeah, Becca just wanted me to it. She's like, I do think it's we Rachel's, should point out that Rachel's, Rachel's window house. is down. Rachel's house, Rachel's equipment, Rachel's Rachel does window. it wrong. Mm-hmm. Rachel's mm-hmm. messing up the podcast noises. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have a tip 
I'm trying. I should have a tip. Oh, uh-huh. I bought clear plastic bedding bags on Amazon. They're zip up like oh. a box bedding bag. And I realized. This might be the answer I needed. I realized. Tell me more. Well, I got them for like, because I always do the routine of wash all the wool blankets. Okay. In the, you know, at the end of the. <coughs> Pardon. Bless you. And then I don't want them out again until the fall. I don't sure. want wool blankets everywhere. Yeah. So I wash them and. It's for the things that, like, I packed all those up and zipped them up in it. But I also have my guest bedding in it where it's, like, a twin mattress pad and mm-hmm. sheet set and the comforter is all in nice. a bag ready yeah. to go. And I feel like that there's something about this. I just ordered more of them yesterday for my, for, because I have, because of off-season, like, flannel sheets that the kids have yeah. that we don't need for a we'll while. See. And I don't want them clogging up the sheet storage for a whole amount of do time. Do they, this is my question. I put my off-season curtains Do they in have that little pocket on the front where they always put that weird picture of the duvet? I or think they, they might, actually. They have this, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't, because they're clear, I didn't need a pocket. I yeah. didn't, I didn't need yeah. to no, see, designate right now, for myself. and I are digging out a room that has just become kind of weird storage that is a bunch of stuff that we're purging, but if also... I could bring, if I could bring your attention to one of Becca and I, our most controversial, <laughs> most heated arguments come about how to pick up the apples under the apple trees. <laughs> and this is the... This is the... And you know what? I'm not sorry, Rachel. I know. This is the adult. Becca believes that you should walk around the perimeter kicking all the apples into a pile. And then pick them up. And I Save differ, not not a little, I differ very strongly from this technology <laughs> choice. I'm like, no, because if no, something I'm... interrupts you, you've done nothing. No, it's and not I'm, true. It's so true. It's, it's true. But I, I'm not, I didn't bring this up for us to fight. St- <laughs> this is, this is the full grown, this is the full yeah, grown edition no, of true. Bega does designate places as the place wherein we'll put the things we'll deal with later sometimes. Well, it's not yeah, well, sort of. I guess that's a loose approximation of what I do. But it's not... <laughs> I would not phrase it that way myself. However, we are pulling out a bunch of things. I, and I think of this when I was under the gun about something sometime. I was trying to get a room cleaned yeah, out to put a guest yeah. room in it. And it had been a room for other and things. And you had another blank room. And I'm like, just it wasn't put it blank. all in I was like, put it all in there and lock the door. And I was like, no. <laughs> but the thing is... I, I, I just know it would take me seven years I'm just before saying, I recovered. I'm pulling out a bunch of things which I need to keep or I want to keep. There's a lot that I'm I'm trying to purge and, you know, take stuff away and I don't really need it anymore and whatever. But there's a few things that are like, okay, those are maybe baby clothes that I do want to hang on to for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Or sure. I, I found a whole box of old Amoretti dresses and skirts and things that I was like, yeah, I need to keep that. But it's yeah. like I need to keep it in a right. way that is like portable, stackable. I just, uh, you know what I mean? Without putting it all in a cardboard box again. And so I kind of like this idea of the clear yeah. vinyl because then you can yeah. sort of see more well, what you're doing. Structure. You can see what it is. Some of it also, is like Ben's old, like Marine Corps yeah. dress blues. You know, it's like, what do you do with that? Yeah. But, so that's what I am doing with it, but yeah. not Marine Corps dress blues. But I did also buy a garment rack. I'm feeling very smart right now. Yeah, that's what the, I need for the, the dress The garment blues. rack I put 
and putting in a, we have a closet that ha it's just a space. It's not like a, it's a weird space. So, but it will work fine. Okay. But it's, so it's just a hanging rod, but then I bought the full length garment bags. Mm. So, because this is where I'm going to put formal dresses and things. I have enough yeah, daughters that I really yeah. should save. And I have some from when I was young. And yeah. sometimes you're like, I have this weird library of formals and semi-formals that well, see, I don't need. Rachel, I have a bunch of granny's clothes. Like our, yeah. our great grandmother. And they're lovely. Like beautiful cocktail dresses and suits. The, which and none of slips. us shall ever fit. Weirdly, Hero fits them fantastic well hero live your best life now i know wear granny's dresses i know because they're stunning Our granny also had an absurd shoe collection featuring like albino alligator platform heels that are like the size that my three-year-olds wear oh i know they're just like you know what hero and i found the box of slips yeah and it does make me sad because i'm like we've lost something as a culture as a culture we've let it we've lost we've something let it it's slip, like Becca, we've oh, let yeah. it <laughs> because uh. people shuffle around in in a pair of tights with sheer insets and call it an outfit and i'm like i mean granny had these beautiful one thing about their beautiful clothes though is that they wore them a lot more than we wear our clothes a lot longer you mean Yes, well, they're like, like hand stitched. Yeah, but I mean, like you would condition. have a beautiful wool suit, and then you would wear the heck out of it. Well, I don't know because they're still pristine. Well, the ones that we have of hers, but I mean, the people did get their new suit for a season. Like this is yeah. the thing you're going to be wearing. Yeah, but a lot. it's like she has all of these slips that are like for every outfit. There's full slips and half slips. Okay, that's really different noise colors. Now. Yeah, it's noise. I think it's telling us that we're supposed. Shall to Shall I point now? out that it's Rachel's noise? It is. And uh oh, they, I'm going to be locked in now. Gonna, no, they're just dumping gravel. Oh. I don't think you'll be locked. Anyway, in. I just feel like there were there was a time when people took a little more. Yeah. Well, we should more we should stop podcasting now because we are going on yeah. too long. Okay, I gotta leave. Okay, until right. next time. Goodbye. Bye.